Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, a slew of news. I'm Alex. We got a new of slews right here for you. I'm Justin. And if you've got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can always email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. And we haven't done this in a while. There's lots of news we've probably missed in the intervening time as we've been doing Loki. We cover the Marvels. We're in a little bit of a lull period here until what if pops up at the end of the month. And then Echo is going to be next month. So still plenty more Marvel to come. But here's a couple of things that have been popping up over the past couple of weeks. Kicking it off with Tom Holland will only play Spider-Man again if it's worth the while. This comes from a and a that was monitored by Collider. Uh, so you can check out the full quote there, but I'll mm-hmm. read it for you anyway. All I can say is that we have been actively actively engaging in conversations about what it could potentially look like for a fourth rendition of my character. Whether or not we can find a way to do justice to the character is another thing. I feel very protective of Spider-Man. I feel very, very lucky that we were able to work on his franchise that got better with each movie, that got more successful with mm. each movie, which I think is really rare. And I want to protect this legacy, so I won't make another one for the sake of making another one. It will have to be worth the while of the character. Uh, what do you think about this, Justin? A lot of things to think, both from a in-story perspective and a more business-minded uh, perspective. I mean, in-story, to say it has to be worth Peter Parker's while, it's like, he was left in the worst place possible, <laughs> uh, I think, emotionally. So, like, truly, to have he's like, legacy, to have that dangling at the end of the legacy and never come back to it feels crazy to me. Uh, if And, I mean, well, what, what do you say about that, like... Creatively, well, that, I feel the like thing. they're going to make a Spider-Man movie no matter what. Like it is just going to happen. If it isn't a Marvel Spider-Man movie, Sony is going to do it. They're clearly plugging ahead with Madam Web, Craven, all of these uh, garbage properties, I guess. Well, <laughs> let's just say they and they're not even just like they're going to do it because they want to make money. They Sony has to keep making yeah. Spider-Man movies or they lose the ownership of it. Right. So like they're going to put a spider on something, and uh, whether it's Tom Holland or not. Yeah, and I mean, this is something that I think officially came out of the past couple of weeks, and I don't think we've talked about it here on the podcast, but I think we always suspected that the third Spider-Man was supposed to be about Craven tracking mm. down Spider-Man now that he has a public identity and he's enemy number one. Made a lot of sense to me. Like, I literally walked out of the second movie, Far From Home, and thought, oh, the next villain is Craven. He tracks him down through New York. Because now they think he's a murderer and a menace. Makes sense to me. Sony said, no, don't use Craven. We got to launch Craven in a solo movie first. So they ended up with No Way Home. Obviously, that worked out for everybody. That's cool. But to the point that we're making here, they're going to push ahead with something at some point. So Tom Holland, for all of his morals, and I appreciate that, is that's going to stop. Like at some like at some point, business will meet creativity. It is not going to be 10 years until the next Spider-Man movie. It's going to be maybe if we're being generous, two to three years, but I don't even think that much. Well, I would say it'll be announced probably Mm -hmm. much sooner than that. And then we'll see it on that timeline you're saying. Well, I also think that, you know, uh, I think Tom here is being, he knows the value of him and this character. Mm -hmm. It's the only Marvel movie that like, is really working uh, are the Spider-Man movies, I think. I mean, Guardians, yes, but that's 
sort of definitely over uh, when it comes to the full ensemble. So I think part of what he's saying here is like, like worth worthwhile, like worth money. Like mm-hmm. not that he's being greedy by any means, but I think he's sort of like, I'm not all in here. You have to get me a little bit. You have to charm me with actually putting time in the story. He wants to be able to probably have more control of his own role in it and not just be showing up and acting like, you know, all the things that actors get as they get more popular and experienced. Yeah. I think there's a couple of other factors here that you got to consider. I mean, one is Marvel, as we're going to talk about it a little bit, is still plugging forward despite all their behind the scenes drama with Kang Dynasty, with Secret Wars. 100% they want Spider-Man in that. Absolutely. Spoilers for the end of Marvels. We talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but they seem to finally be setting up Young Avengers. I think it's sort of a no-brainer if you want that movie to succeed. Nothing against your Amon Vellani's and Haley Steinfeld's and everybody else, but you want to throw Spider-Man in there as one of the young members of the team trying to be a mentor for this team or something like that to sell tickets. So, be a Tony Stark. Exactly. So all of that stuff will keep the contracts going while they figure out potential Spider-Man 4. But the other thing that the internet goes on about nonstop, which I'm always very dubious of, but I do think this is an out here potentially for Sony, if they want to go that route, is they now have Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire back in the mix after No Way Home. Mm -hmm. And that's always something, if Sony, as they have traditionally wanted to do for decades now, is like, hey, next movie Sinister Six, and Tom Holland says, no, we just did that in No Way Home. They're like, great, okay, sounds good. Andrew Garfield's it. You know, so they have those other players they potentially could pull on if they want to back up the money truck, and I'm sure they do. If eventually, I think... There's going to come a point when what is going on with Marvel Studios and what is going on with Sony is going to be more at odds than it is now. And over the next year, as much as we make fun of these movies, they do have Venom 3. They do have Madam Web. They have Craven. They want to build to their own thing, while Marvel Studios is very much in flux and only has Deadpool 3. I'm sure behind the scenes, Sony is like, this is it. This is our chance to be main Marvel, you know? Well, and I think it's, you know, Marvel got to big brother Sony for so much of this relationship. And now, I mean, there's a chance like Venom 3 3 will probably do well, Mm -hmm. better than a lot of the Marvel movies of this year. The Madam Web trailer, we haven't really discussed that either. Like, I thought it was pretty good. Like, it's weird. And it's we know the comic books that this character is not fun is sort of like always like a little bit out of step with what I think people want in a story in general, but you know, Dakota Johnson, big star, like, uh, I don't know. It feels like it, that could also work. I think Craven is not going to work, but you know, I thought that about Venom and it crushed. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Obviously Morbius did not quite work to a spectacular degree, but You've said this, I think, a lot. As long as these movies are watchable trash, people will watch them. And I think when you're, I don't know the budgets for these, but if they're not stretching into the plus $200 million range, like a lot of the Marvel Studios things are, they have less of a risk there. You know, it's insane to say something that's $100 million is less of a risk, but it really is at this point. It really, I mean, it's half the risk, uh, at least. And I would also say the one thing that I think Marvel movies have done that have been a big turnoff has become bloated and too complex. People walk into them already like a little bit behind from a storytelling point of view where it's like, 
wait, who's this? What's happening? Oh, right. That guy was like, you're always playing catch up and it just hurts the audience experience. Sony's movies are like, hey, we're starting at the beginning and telling sort of one story that ends. And then mm-hmm. maybe we'll have a stinger that has other characters that are attached to this world. But they're not going so hard into like full network storytelling the way that Marvel did. Well, to keep going in this and maybe transition into our next topic here, I think we agreed that one of the issues with the Marvels, a movie that we liked, was that yeah. there were too many things going on and too many cooks in the kitchen here. So to the point that you're saying, you go into Craven, even if it's a trash movie, it's like, yeah, he, he got bit by a lion or whatever, and now he has lion powers. I don't know. <laughs> so it's easy to understand easy. versus, hey, we have three characters from multiple TV shows and movies that you have to understand the continuity of, and also we have this villain who's trying to do this complex plot, and we're setting up the X-Men and all of these other... It's too much 100%. Time. Yeah. I agree with that completely, and even though, like you said, we did enjoy the Marvels, and it was, like, much shorter than other ones, and sort of got to it a little bit faster, you could see that there was a movie that they scripted and shot that was way longer, way more complicated, and actually was just another bloated Marvel movie that they excised a lot of that stuff to get to this sort of hour and a half movie that we saw in Marvels. Right. And that's up to mostly, I think, director Nia DaCosta, who, transitioning into our next topic, continues to be completely thrown under the bus in an absolutely insane way. Like, I know... The reason here, the reason to be very blunt about it, is she is a female director and a black female director, so it's very easy to be like, blame on her, except she was clearly one of the standouts of the movie. Like, her direction was good. Her action direction was great. The action direction was maybe the best in a Marvel movie in quite some time. Right. At least a year. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, to lay out before we get to the actual topic here, there's been a bunch of different stories that have come out that are bonkers in the trades. The first one was, if I remember correctly, oh, it was in the big variety piece where they're talking about trouble in Marvel. And Mm. almost apropos of nothing, they threw out there, yeah, Nia DaCosta um, left the production to go work on another production while they were finishing up post-production and she was like yes they ran out of time and i had this other contract and i was still in contact with them all the time and working on it what are yeah. you talking about so that was the also first that thing. happens that's a very normal thing very like, normal the, thing people rarely finish post on something and just aren't at all looking for the next job in this industry you have to always be looking for the next job unless you're actively shooting something the other one that came out that was even more insane i think this was in the hollywood reporter they were like nia DaCosta didn't go to the cast and crew screening for the marvels and in the story itself they were like she wasn't invited and it was her birthday <laughs> and that's the reason and i was like what are we doing here so this brings us up to the most recent thing that happened which is bob Iger says that the reason the marvels failed was because of a lack of quote supervision on the set and specifically his uh. full quote was the marvels was shot during covid there wasn't as much supervision on the set so to speak where we have executives that are really looking over what's being done day after day after day and i will say definitively the problem with the movie was one problem with no movies there is never a problem that can be solved by more executives looking at it A hundred percent. And that's why, like, this is an executive, a one of the biggest executives saying, like, we need more executives. Of course, he's going to say that. But like, truly, more executives we've in our culture and like the way press covers a lot of entertainment these days, we're putting executives in this God position. But 
most executives are not creative. They don't mm-hmm. understand how creative works. They just go there and be like, that looks weird. Can we change that? And it's like, no, we don't need more of that. Anytime I'm working on something, when the client or executives are going to be there, it's like, oh, no, what are they going to try to change last minute that we barely got them to sign off on and they agreed to, and now they're going to change it. Like, It only makes things worse when executives are there, not more like, oh, thank God the execs here to you know, criticize craft services because they're not quite right. It's like not mm-hmm. at all true. Yeah. So insane. Uh, what were you going to say? You're well, say and, and just more on that. Like this, the pro, the real bummer with Marvel's is it came at a time when Marvel MCU needs such a win. So there's way more blame. Like mm-hmm. I feel, feel like they sort of could, you know, toss off a lot of these other like Quantumania and all that. It's like, ah, it's fine. Bumping the road. But this one they really needed, and this was also the worst. So everyone is like, the finger pointing is then so much more extreme, and uh, it is not fair to the movie and and the director. It's not. We talked about this on the Marvels podcast that I think almost anything in that spot would have done maybe not equally bad, but probably similarly as bad. Maybe not Guardians of the Galaxy three. Maybe not a Spider Man movie or something like that. But any non top tier property was going to fail there because they have had a year for the most part of mixed success to failure. That's we were heading in this direction regardless. The the real issue is muddled creative, Mm -hmm. bloated storytelling and and scripts and movies that are just have become impenetrable for a lot of your not super fan audience. And that's not, that's also the executive's fault. But they need to do that at the beginning when the creative can be shaped in the right way and not show up on set and be like, hey, hey, what's with that hat? That's the wrong hat. He needs a better hat on his head. Well, this is also getting into a thing that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, but I'm not the first person to say this. One of the biggest differences between the Infinity Saga and the Multiverse Saga is, like you're saying, multiverse is impenetrable to some people. Yeah. Not everybody, but to some people versus the Infinity Saga is like, we have six stones and they all do very specific things. That's all you need to know. And you maybe don't even need to know that because it's not consistent over the course of these movies. A hundred percent. I mean, so much of multiversal storytelling is our, the main characters being like confused themselves. They're like, wait, what? Who's that? I already, <laughs> I know another version of that person. And like, it's like, it's in, it's confusing from the jump. One problem. Second problem is it's it just lowers the stakes from a storytelling perspective as well, because you have do overs. Everything you could do it again. It's like time travel. Multiversal is like, no, it's fine. On this other planet, things are better or worse. And we can just jump over here, take stuff. So it's much harder. I think in comics, we like it because it's uh, very it offers variation to characters that are often fixed. Like Peter Parker, some changes happen, but you always reset. Multiverse was like, oh, look at this tasty variance we have in our in our character and storytelling. That's exciting to us. But I think it's just it's just a mistake that they've leaned into it so hard because it's not what we want when it comes to movies. We want just cool shit happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, but I think even the bigger thing we want is an emotional hook. And this is just for anybody yeah. who's listening who's like, hold on, there have been several successful multiverse movies Absolutely. But the ones that I would point to, everything, everywhere, all at once, 
that was about the relationship between a mother and a daughter. Like that's what that movie was about. And then everything yeah. else was just visual gravy to expand on that story. Spider-Man, mm, no Visual way gravy. That's a phrase we all use all the time. Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> around the holidays. I love a visual gravy. <laughs> <laughs> More to the point we were talking about earlier, Spider-Man No Way Home. I think about that movie a lot because it's like a magic trick. And the reason it works is you do get arcs for Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, but they never forgot it was about Tom Holland. Like, that's what the yeah. movie is about and his arc as a Spider-Man and where he's going versus all of these guest stars and nonstop things. That's what works about the movie versus... Well, just, uh, yeah. Sorry, I just on that, like, or maybe you were about to say this, Multiverse of Madness yeah. and No Way Home, I think you can compare the two of them so cleanly because emotional storytelling of spider-man where you're left feeling devastated and then multiverse of madness you're left being like wait sorry what and like that's not a good vibe to walk out of a theater well the thing that worked about multiverse of madness in a minuscule sense was hooking it on the relationship of dr strange and christine but then Mm. It focused on all of these other things, didn't do enough multiverse stuff in general to be interesting visually in any way, and then it was just packed in the middle with all those cameos that were just there to get those cheer moments out of the audience. So anyway, we're, you know, in classic like that, uh, what's the short movie with Officer Chief Wiggum where he's getting sucked into the hot dog machine? It feels like this is only going to get worse before it gets better, but we'll see what happens. Mm. The uh, next item... Speaking of bringing folks back, the Avengers reuniting is, quote, news to Chris Evans. He went to Mm. everybody's favorite comic book news source. The View was on there chatting about stuff. And he said uh, there was a report that came out again. This goes back to the Variety report that Marvel is considering bringing back the six original Avengers. He said, you know, I always see those reports, too, and it's news to me. I think every couple of months someone says they're getting downy and Hemsworth and Scarlet and everyone's coming back. No one's spoken to me about it. And look, I would never say never, but I really, I'm very protective. It's a very precious role to me. So it would have to be just right. Uh, which sounds like a variation of the Holland comment. To I was me. just going to say, it's like, I think, and of course you're supposed to, this is what you're supposed to say. Every yeah. actor says it now, nowadays. It's just so funny to be like, Really needs to be just right. I'm very particular with this playing this role that I've played. And what does it matter if it happens again? It's the same. Yep. What's so particular about it? And honestly, he would also say that if they did talk to him. Uh, it's the, yeah. At this point, we're out and out lying to the press all the time about these comic book movies. So him saying that specifically says to me, yeah, they probably did actually at the very least talk to his people and float out and be like, hey, what was availabilities be like if we brought them back for Secret Wars or whatever, because they got a plan years in advance. So those conversations 100% are happening. Absolutely. Whether it will happen, whether given that Disney has had multiple losses, particularly over the past year, are they going to be like, okay, we keep failing with these big budget movies. Let's spend $1 billion to get everybody back into this movie. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. The only solution to going way over budget on a movie that doesn't do well is to go even bigger over budget on the next one. Well, as long as, as long as there's a bunch of executives on set, I think they got this on lock. 100%. Um, I also like this, the way all these actors are saying it, it's like it have to be just right. And then when they maybe or maybe not finally agree and the movie comes out, they're like, it was just right. They got it. <laughs> Nailed and it. here I am. Uh, absolutely crushed it. We got we started with a script that was definitely finished before we got on set, and we feel good about everything that we said. 
Love the process. No notes. Yep. Uh, let's speaking of writing, let's move on. Talk about another news topic. Avengers Kang dynasty against all reason. Marvel is still moving forward with this. And now Michael Waldron, who is already writing secret wars is now writing this movie. One thing we didn't talk about, which happened a couple of weeks back is Destin. Daniel Cretton is no longer directing Kang dynasty. Mm. So Michael Waldron is writing it. He's writing it with both of these movies. We assume these movies are still planned to be happening despite everything that's going on with Jonathan Majors, his court date is coming up very rapidly. They're choosing a jury right now for that trial. Um, There's been a lot of scuttlebutt about maybe the moving away from Kang as well. So I don't know. What do you think about the choice of Michael Waldron, who, mind you, just for for anybody who doesn't know, he was the showrunner of the first season of Loki. He also wrote (laughs) Multiverse of Madness, which we just talked Mm. about. So, you know, a little glass half full, glass half empty situation, I guess. Well, I mean, I do like that they they seem to be at least unifying the creative thrust here around Michael Waldron. So that's fun. Um, that that can at least have it maintain a consistent point of view and vision, I would hope. Just because it's called Kang Dynasty right now doesn't mean it's still mm-hmm. the same story, though. Like, I think they could easily change that title. A show we're going to talk about in a minute has had, like, nine titles. Like, there's <laughs> no problem changing shit. So, like... I think that's fine. Uh, so what we just don't, we still just don't know what's going to happen. But to what you were saying, I agree. They, to go ahead without any thought or change, given not only just the king of it all, but also the fact that just the whole model needs to change. They've even said that. Mm-hmm. So I got to think that they're changing, they're factoring in all these things and things will be different going forward. Yeah. I totally agree. I also, I'm still very bullish about the idea. Like you're saying, I don't think they're going to do Kang Dynasty at the end of the day. There is too much baggage there. I I don't know. It would be insane to me if they plug ahead and you're like, nope, nothing happened with Jonathan Majors. It's good. We're good. Let's just plug ahead. Nobody likes this. Let's keep doing it. That seems like a bonkers plan to me. A couple yeah. of more positive possibilities and pure speculation here that I could throw out based on the Michael Waldron of it all. I did not like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, but I do think he's a good writer. He did a great job crafting, crafting Loki season one. He also wrote a show called Heels on Stars about wrestling that the first season yeah. was awesome as well. So he is a good writer. If you could get away from the exec interference and have him actually craft a story with all of these multiple characters over two movies... I'm into that idea. I also think it leads to that theory I was throwing out there that you could very easily sub in Loki from the end of Loki into the Kang slot and basically have the same thing with stronger emotional connections with every single character because we love Tom Hiddleston and we love Loki. Um, So I could see that happening. I also think they got to lock in a director for both of these movies. So you do have that unified vision. And I think the one that they will probably go for, again, pure speculation, Sam Raimi to be, seems like really? the right here. Uh, I don't wow. know. I don't know if I'm totally into it, but he is a director who knows how to direct blockbusters. He worked with Michael Waldron on Doctor Strange yeah. Multiverse of Madness. It also gives you an in to do the thing that's long been rumored about like bringing Toby McGuire also back for Secret Wars and things like that. Like, they want somebody competent who can really handle this sort of stuff. 
Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think we might see him end up directing both of these movies. That's that's quite a uh, that's quite a swing there because I I like Sam Raimi. He, his movies are weird and mm-hmm. sort of wooly in ways that I think is what Marvel needs. They need things that make these movies feel different. And if he doesn't have to have a story that's way too jammed, I think he could really breathe a little bit and make something that looks and feels different and exciting. So I'd definitely be on board with that. I don't know who else is sort of it would be in the mix. Because mm-hmm. I think Marvel's tried the thing of like getting this sort of indie director and like, all right, here's your major blockbuster. And it's been not great the same way Star Wars struggled with that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's sort of what they're doing anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're 100% not going to do this per the thing we were talking about earlier. Nia DaCosta would be a good choice. She would probably do a right. good job with these movies, but they are, again, throwing her under the bus. So that's not going to happen. Also for the stable, like, again, if they want to back up the money truck for the original Avengers and get the, oh my God, what are their names? The guys who directed Infinity War and the Russos. The uh, Russos, the Russos yeah. Who have become real assholes in the individual yeah. years. I think the Russos, they're great Marvel machine d- directors, but like, I don't know if they can go back there. I don't know if the Russos, who have been sort of struggling in, in a, their post Marvel career, I don't know if they would want to go back. I think that would sort of damage them a little bit. What about uh, bringing in the Daniels from Everything Everywhere All at Once? I mean, that would be great. I don't think they'd do that. Because that the Daniels would, or MCU, the Daniels, like I think mm-hmm. the MCU would want them, but the Daniels would be like, hey, we want to follow our creative vision and write the whole thing and craft it. They'd be like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah, but that'd yeah. be quite a coup, though. That could really give it the the sort of critical press juice that I mm-hmm. think these movies would so which Sam Raimi doesn't have that young, cool. He doesn't. Um, the other one that potentially could go back to is like John Favreau or something like that, which also would not be that exciting, but he is a person that knows how to handle those kind of sets. Like that's, that's the thing. And we've talked about this a lot here and I know you know this, I'm just saying this for the listeners, but like one of the biggest things about these isn't even creative vision. It's just somebody who can manage a business that has thousands of people. That's real hard to do. So you, well, especially managing that business, it's a behemoth and it comes out of nothing and then vanishes the day you wrap or the yeah. day you finish post or whatever. So it's creating something from nothing. And the way they make these movies is such a mind fuck where you're shooting stuff way, way out of order. You're shooting action sequences before you even have the story fully realized. It requires a lot of anticipation that you sort of had, like you're saying, you have had to have been there once. To understand like, well, we can't actually do that yet because we need to make sure that the previs is locked so that we can shoot it. And like all that nonsense, you have to be and being able to just manage execs, mm-hmm. execs on top of major celebrity stars who have been doing this long enough that they're like, all right, it's time for me to get a little bit more here. Can I throw out the world's stupidest idea that I don't even know if I agree with? Yes. Get Michael Bay. Get Michael Bay to direct these two movies. They'll be very stupid, mind you, but there has been sort of this retaking of Michael Bay in the intervening years. And looking back at movies, people are like, this isn't a good movie. Transformers isn't a good movie. But like, look at the fights in this movie where he actually filmed it in real places and then digitally added the characters in there. And they look... Five billion times better than most of the stuff that Marvel has been doing lately. So having somebody like that, 
I don't know if they'd be good emotionally deep movies or feel necessarily like MCU movies, but we're we're past the Rubicon here and something needs to change. Uh, that's really funny. I don't think they'd ever do that, but the idea of shooting because I to get into the details of it a little bit when you're shooting on like the volume or like green screen everything flattens and when yeah. you shoot in real life like Michael Bay does the depth is wild and you put a CGI character there it just looks bigger mm-hmm. and cooler and so like I agree with you to make those movies look that way would inject them with an authenticity that I think they've been struggling with with a lot of these movies the only problem is they're moving into a storytelling place where it's like this take pl- takes place on a battle world where, that doesn't exist. So I don't know where you're like, what is battle world? Is yeah. it uh, so it's they're getting in a storytelling place where it's even hard to make anything real. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll I'll throw out one last thing just because this is top of mind because it came out the other day. And also, I don't think he necessarily do this, but the Furiosa trailer just came out. And looking Ugh. at that, that's somebody who perfectly melds putting insane sci-fi digital elements into real locations and making them look absolutely wild. I mean, George Miller back in the day was signed up to do Justice League Mortal, which got scuttled by the previous strikes. I don't think he should, and I don't think he necessarily would come back to direct something like this. But again, that's the sort of thing of like, I don't know, he's worked with Chris Hemsworth in this new movie. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. Holy shit. Talk about putting some edge onto the MCU. If you get him in there just like, doing crazy shit <laughs> on a day-to-day basis or the actors would be like yo i was in the snow for six hours yesterday or whatever <laughs> it's just like all right let's go uh, that's fun yeah all right we got a couple more things before we wrap up here wandavision is now out on blu-ray right behind me haven't cracked it open haven't cracked the plastic what are you waiting for all the stuff's online man and i've already seen the show but there. there is a special feature that popped up on YouTube talking about Agatha in the show and then surprisingly showing us a little behind the scenes of Agatha Darkhold Diaries. There's not much there. You can see Joe Locke and the rest of the cast as well, Catherine Hahn in character. People have been very intrigued by the fact that Agatha seems to be wearing some of the costumes she previously wore in WandaVision. But you got Jack Schaefer, you got another executive, love those executives on set, talking about it as well, Catherine Hahn. But I'll throw out the thing that got me most excited about it was Catherine Hahn saying there would be nothing more delicious to Agatha Harkness than to be in a spinoff, which there was something about that turn of phrase that it was like, oh, yeah, I loved WandaVision. Having yeah. Kath- Catherine Hahn riffing off of that is going to be great, I think. Well, agree. And the behind the scenes thing, definitely worth watching because it, like you're saying, it reminds you of how great Catherine Hahn is in almost everything she does, how much fun they're having, which is just mean it gives me good vibes for the project but the this quote specifically made me feel like it's giving away perhaps some of the creative direction of the show that agatha is self-aware that she's in a spinoff mm-hmm. that yes. she is maybe spinning off and from what i've heard on some the sneak tip a little bit and what they've been talking about with the titles it feels like each episode like wandavision a little bit is different totally mm-hmm. different and genre maybe genre different and sort of spontaneous things happen, like where a character may be pushing against the borders in a comedic way rather than a trauma emotional way that WandaVision, that Wanda did in WandaVision. The Agatha can just be fun, like, I got to get out of this fucking musical or something like that, 
which mm-hmm. seems great. That seems very yeah. fun. I do. I just had like a little tingle of worry when you were talking about that, just because we have a lot of projects like that. Now we had She-Hulk that was self-aware. We have Deadpool three coming up. If Agatha is also there, it's a lot of meta stuff, but Catherine Hahn is so good at it. And she was so good as Agatha, the clear standout of that show. I- I'm still into it. Well, let me hope the difference. Cause I, I, I definitely hear that. And I, you know, we've been plenty critical of She-Hulk, and how some of that format stuff damaged the comedy that they were doing. But what if she's self-aware, but she's not talking, she's not breaking the fourth wall. Because mm-hmm. that to me is a great way to do it where she's like pushing on it, but we're, we're just, just passively watching her as opposed to her being like, you know, what's crazy about this. I'm in a spinoff, which I don't think we want. Cause that is like those other projects you're talking about. Well, but even if she says something like that, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's the sort of thing of like, if they continue the story of Wanda's hex is somehow out of control and sucking them through these different genres, like we talked about previously on the podcast and you mentioned just before, that's cool. That's fun. I'm into that. And even if she's like, oh my God, this hex is out of control. Now I'm in a reality TV show. Get me out of here. Great. Yeah. I'm imagining something in the vein of Pleasantville or mm-hmm. a movie from the, I want to say 90s called Stay Tuned. Yes. I know you like that movie. I know you like Northern Overexposure, one of the great movie jokes of all time. Great, great stuff. Uh, That's a reference that is going to take some Googling, (laughs) gang, so definitely check it out. Uh, But that movie, which is about uh, an evil remote control, and it's a couple, right? They have to jump through all these different genres, and it sort of plays like a parody of all television happening at once. It's TV and hell, if I remember correctly. So yeah, Yeah. super fun movie. Probably doesn't hold up at all, but I have fond memories of it. Why don't we talk about one quick last thing before we wrap up here? The strikes are over, question mark? Almost hopefully. (laughs) Almost hopefully. Yes. SAG still needs to, I believe, approve the agreement, which seems a little dicey based on what I'm getting online. I agree. Uh, I am a SAG member. It is a little dicey online. I don't think it's dicey amongst the huge membership of SAG. So, like, I think everyone's a lot of, like, maybe more prominent people. Very rightly so. I listened to a great interview with Justine Bateman, who's a big proponent slash worrier about AI absolutely damaging actors' lives. Worth checking out if you're at all interested in that. But... I still think that the deal is going to go through. Everybody is so neat over this and things need to move forward. I think mm-hmm. everyone agrees top to bottom. Well, to that point, production has already resumed on a lot of things per the Marvel beat. Venom 3 and Deadpool 3 have both resumed filming at this point. That said, they have new dates that they're coming out. Venom 3 is now coming out November 8th, 2024. And Deadpool 3 is coming out July 26th, 2024. Um, Venom 3, cool. That's fine. That makes a lot of sense to me. Deadpool 3, that date worries me a little bit. Like, that still mm. feels with the amount they need to do in potential post-production, given all the VFX issues that we've talked about with Marvel. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Like, with a movie like this, you usually need at least six months post-production, I would say. And that's that's cutting it tight. Yes. Um, I got to think, though, they're going to throw some money at this because unlike Marvel's, Marvel needed Marvel's to work and then it didn't. Marvel needs even more Deadpool 3 to work, but 
Deadpool 3 is like Guardians. Deadpool mm-hmm. 3 is a, a beloved character. Deadpool's a beloved character. These movies are so tonally strong. Everyone knows what they're getting into. There's going to be a lot of hype about this. You got Wolverine coming back. The story, from what I've heard about it, seems pretty awesome and f- sort of giving us some catharsis on multiversal mm-hmm. storytelling in a fun way, calling it out. I think there's a lot of great potential here. And because of that, I think they're going to be like, this has to look good. No Quantumania VFX. They're going to put the money out to make it nice. Well, and I'd throw out there that you do have on the positive side of the production angle, whatever you think about the quality, you do have Sean Levy behind the camera. He knows how to do that stuff from working on Stranger Things, as well as multiple projects with Brian Reynolds. You've also got Ryan Reynolds, who is on a nonstop hot streak and does really take care of the behind the scenes stuff from his advertising agency onwards. I, I don't have any knowledge of this, but I have to assume they filmed a good chunk of the movie before the strikes. They're probably editing it and doing VFX and everything behind the scenes while the strikes were going on. So really at this point, maybe they have half the post-production afterwards as well as test screenings and everything else. So we'll see. I I still think there's a chance it can get pushed back a little bit from that July date, but I think it's definitely coming out in 2024. They need that to happen. Yeah, when you only have one movie uh, coming out, you can sort of maybe shuffle the dates around a little bit, get a little fun. How's, how's Echo doing? Is that still trucking along on Disney Plus? Are we getting enough money up? No? Okay. All right. Do okay. you think Echo is going to have a long tail, like run from January <laughs> so. to June, just crushing uh-uh. people still going in on Echo? We'll see. We didn't really talk about that either. Maybe we should do like a trailer catch up episode to talk about like the Echo trailer and uh, what if is coming up and other things. Maybe we'll try to queue up one of those. Uh, Trailer looked good. People seem hype. But no, I don't think beyond January people are going to be talking about Echo. But we'll see. Never know. It may Echo. Once again, if you got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Meanwhile, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube coming out. We'd love to chat with you about Marvel. If you want to support this show and all the shows we do, patreon.com slash comicbookclub at comicbooklive on Twitter slash X, comicbookclublive on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com. For this podcast and many more, until next time, stay marvelous. Stay marvelous. We'll be back sooner than three months. <laughs> Something like that, time. unless there's a little bit of exact interference, but I guess we'll see. They're right behind. Yeah, I'm, surrounded, right now. I'm surrounded by execs. Yeah, it's great. What's up, guys? Hey, everybody, say your name. Barry. <laughs> They're all named Barry. Barry.